The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. Messages of Hope. Hi, everybody. I'm so grateful to be here with you on air, and I'm so grateful to have my husband Ty listening in another room as he usually does. We'll get to our guest in just a minute, but those of you who follow me on Facebook know it's been a bit of a challenging week for us. Ty was supposed to have a minimally invasive procedure, and it turned out it ended up being a very serious surgery. And then later that evening, last Friday, um, had to go back into the OR after a very serious complication that could have had me talking to him from the spirit world. So it's been a real test of uh, practicing What I teach everybody, what I share with everybody, trusting that all is well and knowing that even when we don't have the big picture, we just have to to breathe and remember who we are and that got us through it. And your prayers and loving energy really, really have been felt. We've we've. We so appreciate all of you, and I just want to publicly say, if if I haven't commented on every Facebook post or sent emails to everybody, I'm sorry, but know that we've read all of them and just appreciate all of you so much. And he's doing great, absolutely. Now it's the hard part of keeping him from being too active. So I would like to shift gears now and introduce our wonderful guest today. Her name is Meryl Beck, and she devoted her whole life to helping others integrate loss. She's a licensed professional clinical counselor and often helped people work through their grief. But when her own son ended his own life at 35 years old, she ultimately chose to recover from that and honor his memory by living as fully as possible. And that's what we're always about on this show, showing you that life is eternal and and how we make tragedy turn into something that helps our soul's growth and those around us. Meryl, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Suzanne. It's so nice to be able to be here with you. I'll say, and it's just perfect timing because I'm so excited to talk about your new book. I, Everybody, I came to know Meryl when I was asked to write a chapter in her book, which just came out, and it is literally beautiful, not to mention the words inside, but a gorgeous cover. The book is called Loss, Survive, thrive. Bereaved parents share their stories of healing and hope. So this is not your first book, correct? Correct. My second book. Yeah, your first one was a number one bestseller about, oh, stop eating your heart out. Yeah, Yeah, about stopping emotional eating. 
Right. This is a very different topic, and I know it's one you didn't ever think you would write or have to write, but why don't we start, uh, go back in time to uh, your family, your son, or let's start the story there, how you came to know that you can survive a loss. Well, well, since you mentioned my first book, it's interesting. I think that one of my purposes this lifetime is to go through major challenges, Mm -hmm. design some kind of strategy so I can get through it and and survive and thrive. So the first one was, the first book was about my binge eating disorder and how I survived and thrived and healed that. And then the second one is, you know, losing a child and the total shock of the suicide. I had no idea that he would do that. Now, he did tell me he lives, he was living in a suburb of Orlando, Florida, and he did tell me he had a gun, and he said, Mom, I'm in a first-floor apartment. I think it feels, you know, I have a much safer feeling with a gun around. But that mm-hmm. was it. And I, so none of us had any idea this was going to happen. In fact, the day of the suicide, which was October 12, 2011, he texted everybody, his family and friends, and said, I want to just want to tell you I love you. Mm-hmm. It just so happens, coincidentally, ha-ha, that at that time, I was finishing up my final edits for the first book, what they mm. would do with the publisher that day. And when I went back to the timeline, pretty sure that when he put a gun to his heart was exactly around the same time I pushed the button that said send, and I was finished with that manuscript. So with the title, Eating Your Heart time. Out. Oh, my goodness. And one was, a, you know, two endings and new beginnings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. And Ooh. so when, when we all receive these messages, you know, I'm in the middle of, of editing and revising, and I just wrote, oh, thank you, Johnny. I'll, you know, I love you, too. And my daughter said, oh, is this a suicide note? And he said, oh, no, no, no. And he, she called, no. And they talked about when he's going to come and visit and a few weeks later and the restaurants they were going to go to. So, you know, there was no way anyone knew. However, That's... he left the, all his journals. And when I read his journals... Ever since he was a teenager, he had such self-loathing. And he'd look in the mirror and say, oh, I look so ugly. I can't stand myself. I'm just going to kill myself. I had no idea. I had no idea that he had all that darkness. I mean, I knew that he was, he was challenged with life. Um, he, he was 35 chronologically, but he, inside he was like a kid. That's why he lived in Orlando because he loved the theme parks. And he loved, like, he loved nice things. He had caviar taste. Um, he loved to go to the premieres and the movies, you know, the first. And um, he was working in Florida, and he was laid off. He was working, uh, doing um, computer-assisted drafting CAD. He mm-hmm. was laid off. Um, his suicide note said, uh, I don't want new friends. I don't want a new job. I don't want to move. I just want to end it and start again. Like, wow. Ooh, wow. You know what? End it and start again. Didn't even have any idea he had those kind of thoughts. Now, were you working as a counselor at that time? Yes. So that must have been a double whammy for you. I'm I'm imagining you really questioned yourself. Right. Yeah, I missed all the signs. Um, I knew I knew that he wasn't happy, and you know, every we used to have like a prayer circle on Sunday morning and this group would come and do meditations. And I'd always put Johnny in the middle 
you know, asking for just for him to be surrounded by light and love and, and help his, him just feel good. And um, so I knew that he wasn't happy with life, but I didn't know to the extent. Actually, the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, I actually don't know where that came from, but <laughs> we'll have to look up that someday. He, there was a woman in his life, and I, in the book I call her Lola, and they were really good friends, and he wanted to be romantic. And she said, no, I can only just be friends with you, that or nothing. So he said, okay, I'll choose that. And she had a son at, who was probably, I don't know, maybe eight elementary school age, and um, Johnny would bring Lola and her son into Orlando where he lived, and go to all the theme parks. And when he came to visit me in Tucson, he'd go visit her in Phoenix. And they had that kind of relationship. And I knew that he was really happy having that friendship. And in his heart, he wanted more. And mm-hmm. five days after she got married is when he ended his life, his yeah. birth life. Mm. So- and one of the first messages that I got from him was, that was so stupid. Don't anybody do what I did. <laughs> So you're and, and talking I, about a message from across the veil. Anybody new to this program <laughs> might be surprised right. by that. Our, our traditional listeners know that that's what we talk about. But how was that message delivered? Well, I was getting messages, and I also have friends that are very psychic, and I got messages through them. And I can't remember if that one came directly to me or it came to one of my, one of my psychic kind of friends. Uh, one of the other messages, early messages I got, and I use it as the title for the chapter in the book that I wrote about him. He said, I crossed myself over in a stupid way. Hmm. Hmm. Did, you, did you sense his presence or did you simply hear this message? Um, I usually just hear it. Mm-hmm. There are many times I hear things and, you know, I, I was pretty skeptical. For instance, I was doing a meditation and I thought I heard his voice. But I was very skeptical, and this was probably just a month or two after after he had transitioned. And I used to wear a pendant that I had given him, and it was ceramic pendant. And so I was wearing it, and I, so I'm hearing the voice, but skeptical me said, John, if this is really you, heat up the pendant I'm wearing. Mm. And the voice I heard said, Ma, there's some things I haven't learned how to do yet. That was exactly the kind of tone he would have used. (laughs) And you know that you wouldn't have thought of that response. That's another way that we know that that's our loved ones. You know, it's it's clever, it's creative, and it's not what you would have thought. Right. Right. That's excellent. Did you hear his voice in his own voice, or did it sound like your thoughts? It it was more of a knowing that it was his voice. Mm -hmm. And it was the the way he would say, Ma, you know, that pretty much was his voice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ma? Oh, like another example, it was another one of the Ma ones. I, I still have some of his ashes, and I take them with me when I travel sometimes. Well, I was in Glastonbury, England one day, several years ago, about two or three years ago, and um, we were, I was visiting the ruins at the Abbey, and I'm walking along the land, and I went, oh, I forgot the ashes. Oh, Johnny, I'm sorry, I forgot to bring the ashes. And the, the voice said, that's okay, Ma, this is your kind of place. excellent that is outstanding communication wow wow now what was your background with afterlife and communication with those in the spirit world did you have that before or was this a surprise to hear from your son especially so soon after he passed well um i hadn't had any voice communication with anybody in the past 
But, for instance, my friend Julie passed away that summer. And um, after, so let me just backtrack. So he suicided on October 12th, but nobody found his body till the 17th. So during that period, we just, did, we just didn't know where he was. He wasn't connecting with anyone. And I'm out for a walk, and I'm not having any worries whatsoever. Like my daughter was worried, and I said, oh, you know him. He probably went to Las Vegas or went to the Bahamas and didn't want to tell us because we knew he was low on money. So that was something he would have done. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't concerned. So I'm on my walk. I, I go in the, the wash, the arroyo, by my house every day. And I see this butterfly that's right in my path, and it's struggling. So I gently pick it up and move it off the path. Mm. And I thought, oh, that's a sign for my friend Julie, because she had passed two or three months earlier. I knew that that was a sign. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting the God bumps as I say it. I Me didn't too. know that Johnny, Johnny had already transitioned, and that was one of the first signs he sent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, know, I had not, not heard help. voices before at all, but I, you know, I had looked for signs, and Boy, his memorial was filled with butterflies, filled. And he's such mm-hmm. a character. He's always been good with technology. So mm-hmm. I get on the plane in Tucson because his memorial service is in Cleveland. My phone is turned off, and it starts to ring. And I show my seatmate that my phone's <laughs> off, and it's ringing, you know. Wow. Wow. Not only that, but my friend Robin, she was getting calls with my name on it and a different phone number. So when she came over, and this was at the time of the memorial service, like a month after he had transitioned, she comes over and she said, I wonder what that is. So I call that number, and it's a medium in California. Hmm. And so I left a message. I said, I don't know why your number keeps showing up, but um, my son, you know, transitioned. He he suicided, you know, a few weeks ago. And your number keeps showing up with my name on it when my friend picks up the phone. It's my name and this number. And she calls back and she said, I am so glad you called. I have been feeling suicide. Everything's going great in my life, my relationship, my work, everything. And I've been feeling suicidal and I couldn't understand why. This is the medium? Coming through. Yes, it was a medium. Wow. In California. That's the number that came through on the phone when he called. And so she was the one that was able to tell us that my grandmother and grandfather were there to meet him. So she was the mm. one that gave us that information. Wow, good story. But he gave us Goodness. the phone number to call. <laughs> so it sounds as if you already had a, a belief in the afterlife. These You didn't need to learn about signs or be aware of them. Like so many times we, we tell listeners on the show, this is what to be on the lookout for. Right. I was aware of it. Um, and, and, um, my, and actually my belief system was that I, I didn't ever believed in hell. And I said to one of my friends that came over, who's a very much of a psychic empath kind of person, I said, oh, what if I'm wrong? What if there's really hell? And she hmm. said to me, God is so loving. How could there be? That's all that there is, is love. So that yeah. helped me so much. Excellent. I thought, what if I was wrong all these years and there really is such a thing, you know? And then, of course, somebody with suicides would go there. No, 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 no. The only hell, and tell me if you agree with this, one medium said to me the only hell he experiences is that he needed to experience all the feelings that we were feeling, all that anger, sadness, and whatever, right after when we learned that he had transitioned. And he had to feel it all at once. Well, what you said is my understanding, but, you know, calling it hell 
gives that a feeling. It's just that we all experience the full effects of our actions that others mm-hmm. experience. Now, that may or may not be a hellish experience. So, yes, that's what I've okay. come to understand. Now, so we talked about you being a counselor and you didn't know that he was suicidal. Was there a period where you had to deal with guilt? Um, I actually didn't. I was surprised um, because, first, well, first of all, for many years, I have been the the kind of mom that gives him suggestions. <laughs> Johnny, why don't why don't you go to a photography club? Where you can meet people. Why don't you do this dating app? Why don't, you know, and he never liked any of my suggestions. Mm-hmm. And some of them were spiritual. Like there was some kind of conference nearby, and I said. Oh, I can come into this conference. Will you go with me? And he, yeah, right. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and one of the early messages, you know, after he'd been on the other side for a month or two months or whatever, she says, Ma, now I'm doing all the things you wanted me to do. <laughs> all those Ooh. spiritual things. I'm doing them now. <laughs> Did that come directly to you or through someone else? Yes. No, that came to me. That's that came to me. I did, use a medi- I did use a medium right away that I've used before, somebody in Florida. And... Mm-hmm. Um, well, I have to tell you, before, before, two years before he left the earth plane, he quit smoking. And at that point, he gained weight. Well, he was visiting, and my daughter and I were following some food plan. And I said, oh, Johnny, you want to follow this with us? You know, no, I'm not doing that. And one of the first things the medium said to me was, um, I have a young man here, and he said, tell my mom I lost weight. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. Excellent. <laughs> So I think this is this is really encouraging that here you're a counselor and the normal human nature would say, oh, I should have known better and feel very guilty. But you sounds like you did a, an inventory of your actions and knew your relationship was good and knew what you were dealing with. So in other words, to summarize for you, guilt is not required. Right. Right. Hmm. And, I hope, and, hope you all are yeah. listening. And also, the other big piece is, I wondered if I'd ever be happy again. And that was just sort of curiosity. I couldn't imagine ever being happy again. I mean, my my heart was broken. I mean, I was in so much pain. Mm -hmm. And so that was just sort of being curious. And I would spend a lot of my day, every day, on my backyard um, swing overlooking a pond. And in April, all of a sudden, in my pond, in Tucson, Arizona, there were two mallard ducks. And every day I went out and I visited with the ducks and I said to myself, wow, this is the first time I'm feeling happy. Hmm. And that he was gone and he transitioned in October and that was in April. So I allowed myself to feel that happiness. I was actually embracing it and my belief is he was able to maneuver to send those ducks here because he wanted me to feel happy again. Beautiful. I love that you you went at that with a sense of wonder. I wonder if I'll ever be happy again, instead of, I know I'll never be happy again. Right. Yeah. And the other thing is, I made a conscious decision. I knew the pain would be excruciating, and I made a conscious decision to use it for personal growth. Because I knew there's no way to escape it. I might as well make use of it and, you know, make myself a whole better person spiritually, emotionally, every way I can do it. Ding, yeah, ding, ding, ding. That's it. That. That's it. That is the key. We cannot escape life's challenges. I that That's what I was walking around here last Friday night thinking. Okay, here we go. How we, you know, when I thought things were going to hell in my personal life. So mm-hmm. what are we going to do? What are we going to do with this instead of crumbling? So everybody, you, we just need to know 
that there's a reason for things and that we have tools. Meryl, that's a beautiful point. So mm-hmm. how did you survive then? Um, well, I have friends. Oh, so I was not much of a Facebook user up to that point. And then I became a Facebook lover because I would write on Facebook, I'm really having a hard time today. I feel like I'm drowning, you know, in the grief. I'm mm-hmm. just drowning. Mm-hmm. I can't hardly breathe. Please send me energy. That's and it. these people that read my post sent me energy, and I could feel myself being lifted. Mm-hmm. It was so beautiful. You know, they held me up when I was feeling like I was really sinking. That's what and, we all do for each other. It's beautiful. Right. Right. So energy work really helped me. I also do um, some of your, you may know, and some of your listeners may know about EFT tapping. Mm-hmm. And when I learned it with Gary Craig in 1997, I was working with 12-step recovery people, and they weren't happy with the way it was presented. They wanted the higher power piece to be come in and some other things. So I, I was able to create something called source tapping, which brings in the spiritual and brings in a positive and we do all the emotions at once. And so I was tapping on myself all the time, and that was helping to ease it. In fact, you talk about you talk about source tapping in your book, Lost, Survive, Thrive, and mm-hmm. it's just mentioned briefly. Where can people find out more about this? At sourcetapping.com. <laughs> they can get a free script there, and I think there's also an instructional video. Oh, I'm glad you made it easy for us. Sourcetapping.com. Yeah, um, yeah, I and I was I was suffering some PT from post traumatic stress symptoms, and I could not look at the chair where I was sitting when I received the phone call, and I remember the man, and I couldn't even think about that phone call at all. I tried to hook up with a trauma therapist in Tucson, and we just never connected. So I thought, okay, I do inner work walks when I walk in the morning with the dogs. You know, I whatever's going on with me, I work on it. I thought I'll just do some tapping and. I did source tapping for myself, and now I can right now look at that chair. I can tell you who I was talking to when the call waiting came in, and my ex-husband was, you know, Johnny's dad was screaming, he's dead, he's dead, he's dead. I can talk about it all now. Before, I couldn't go there at all. And you credit the source tapping with that? Absolutely. It really does rewire the brain. It helps to release the trauma so you don't get caught up in the trauma loop. Yeah, it's really good for any post-traumatic stress. And it also takes the edge off grief. I mean, we're not going to, tapping is not going to take away the grief and, you know, oh, my kid, my kid's gone and now I'm happy again. Uh, that won't happen. But my kid's gone and now I can breathe. I don't feel like I'm sinking like I was. So the is energy it, from my friends and source tapping were so helpful. So it's the basis of that, that the energy gets stuck at a certain memory or moment and then the tapping frees it up? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. and we can go into the whole thing with T minus one and where, you know, there's a whole bunch of literature written about trauma and how to release trauma. And they're finding that these kind of techniques are very effective. And there's a lot of research now. In fact, if anybody wants to look up research, it's energypsych.org. And you can look up research on how the tapping works for trauma and for other things too, anxiety and stuff. But it really does clear trauma. Well, thank you for sharing. This is very, very useful, practical tools that I know so many people listening can use. Mm-hmm. So, wow. And let me say, I want to talk about your book, but I really don't want to get started too much before the break. So why don't you just talk for a minute? You know, so many people say when you, you lose a child, your life is over. You, 
You, I've heard you call that a cultural myth. Right. Because we so believe it that, that we make it our reality. And huh. I have Airbnb at my house. And it's so, when I'm write, starting to write the book, I had two different people that came here. Both of them had lost their brother. One was a suicide, and one, the one who was a suicide said, oh, I wish your book was out earlier, X number of months after my brother shot himself, my mother killed herself. So this is and not it, just for anybody who's lost a child. It's for all of us that think, oh, my life is yeah. over, spouse, right, parent. Right, right. And then another, another person said, well, my brother died, and my mother basically never got out of bed again. And um, it, it, it's, yes, it's a huge tragedy, and it does rip away our heart. And I don't know how people actually cope if they don't have connection once they're across the veil. I mean, that, that kept me going, knowing that I could still be in touch with him. I did have another psychic that I talked to say, well, just imagine he's in Paris and you'll see him again. It didn't help at that point. It just yeah, because you think it. you're imagining it. You're making up a story. Right, right, right. So do you so, feel you have to believe in an afterlife to survive the death of a loved no, one? No, and that's one of, the, one of the reasons I wrote the book and didn't have only people that believed in afterlife. So that we'll talk about the book after the break, I know. But I have mm-hmm. stories in there with people who just wanted to honor their child's memory by surviving and thriving. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. to keep their memory alive. Because if, you, if, you, if, if we're, like, if I'm remembering my kid and I'm gone, the memories get dimmer and dimmer with other people. So I'm here to talk about him and to keep his memory going. And, and the other pe- some of the other people in the book started foundations and started things. And I don't know if they have belief in afterlife or not, but that kept them going. This okay, so that's woman, an excellent point. Your, your book, Lost, Survive, Thrive, is not just for people who believe in an afterlife. So. Right. Excellent. Right. So how did we find the book? Um, the surprising thing is Amazon was supposed to have it out November 8th. Now they said November 22nd. But if anyone goes to tinyurl.com forward slash LST, Lost, Survive, Thrive, LST book launch, then you can get 26 bonus gifts huh. when you order the book. So it's oh. not just getting the book. You also get all this, you know, bonus stuff, including Suzanne Giesman's meditation ebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I Thank love you. that when we have offers for new books and, and there are all these gifts involved. So we'll give that URL again. Well, let's give it right now. Everybody grab a pencil. Tiny URL dot. Go ahead, Meryl. Dot com. Mm-hmm. Forward slash. The initials for the book, LST, stands for Lost, Survive, Thrive, LST Book Launch. Okay. So you go there, you pre-order the book, which actually comes out tomorrow if you're listening live, and get all kinds of gifts. Well, we will come back after the break and talk more about the book, what's in it, and how people can benefit from it. So everybody, come on back after a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world.
Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Meryl Beck as much as I am. You can tell that she is a strong woman and does not buy into the the common ideas about death and loss that most people do. And as a result of that, her journey has been not as difficult as other people. It doesn't mean there's a right way or a wrong way, but the the more we can put suffering aside and honor our loved ones, the better. So Meryl, how have you honored John's memory? Even though we know he's still with us. So it's like his physical life memory. How have you honored well, that? I, I know he was with me when I was writing the book, that I know. My editor, um, not the publishing editor, my own personal editor, Mary Langford, said she felt the energy of all the different kids as she was writing them, right, as editing the stories, and that helped her edit the stories. Nice. And um, so on his birthday every year, we celebrate, and I go to my daughter's house, or we go to Cheesecake Factory, his favorite place, and we, I mean, I don't really want the stuff that he orders because his favorite thing was club sandwich with the fried macaroni and cheese, but the kids will order that. (laughs) (laughs) Or we go to my daughter's house. And one year we went to my daughter's house and somebody had gifted me a session with a medium that day. And Johnny comes through and says, you're really going to laugh tonight. And I said, okay. And then we were there and we were talking about memories and we talk about all these fun memories and we really honor him and laugh. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was it. I get a call. I go home and I get a call from my daughter. She's laughing hysterically. She she said, "Do you remember what the what came through about our laughing tonight?" I said, "Yeah." She said, "Well, I went into my daughter's bedroom and the paint was peeling, and somehow it was peeling in such a way now that it looks exactly like male genitalia." Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> How do so they know? <laughs> Oh, no wonder he was laughing. Oh, gosh. And somehow his birthday, we ce- I celebrate more than his angelversary, the, you know, his day of mm-hmm. departure. Uh, on that day, the first year I did, I went and I had friends over and we did all these memories and, and anything that came through. But sometimes I'm off teaching or I'm off doing things. It's like for some reason the birthday is more important for me. And I was so surprised that some of the holidays were difficult. Um, you know, the first year, there were a lot of challenges, like my birthday was just a few months later, and Christmas was October, November, it's just two and a half months later, and we don't celebrate Christmas, you know, Jewish family, we don't celebrate Christmas, it's not going to be hard. Well, I walk into a store, and there's all these families together laughing and being a family, I had to leave because I just started crying. I didn't know Christmas was going to be hard, you know. So sometimes the grief just shows up on time, at times that I never expect it. And that's okay. When it shows up, I go, oh, I know who you are. <laughs> I don't really say that, but I do now. Um, yeah, you know, and, and it's really one of my important things that I say to people, and this comes from my background as being a psychotherapist, is the only way to work with grief is to go through it. Because when we try to stuff it with food, which is what I used to do in the past, or with other activities or being distracted and getting busy, you know, we're just going to face it another time or it'll come out sideways somehow. So the best way to work with grief is to work through it and hopefully to have people that are there for you, that'll support you, that'll give you what you need, not the words that don't work, you know, like, oh, you, at least you have another child or, you know, some of those awful words. <laughs> 
Okay. Sorry about the technical difficulties there, and I'm not sure what we missed. Meryl, where were you when I got cut off? I don't know when you got cut off, so tell me if you remember <laughs> what I said. All right. Uh, well, let's just, just pick up with talking more about your books then. Why okay. did you choose to write Lost, Survive, and Thrive? Um, well, my best friend, Robin, she said to me, I wish you would write a book because I keep meeting people that have lost a child or lost someone and they have no idea that life is possible, that they can keep going on. She kept meeting people like that. It's, you need to write a book. And she's the one that first started saying the word she used for me was way shower, you know, a role model. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so I thought about it, and I thought, okay, I, first I thought it was going to be all about Johnny. And then I realized I would much rather have it a collection of stories so that people can say, oh, well, my child in suicide, I'm not sure I'm going to pick up that book, but maybe their child died of an illness, and we have stories like that in the book. It's actually it's divided into different categories. So it starts off with baby loss, and those are miscarriages and stillbirths. And then we go to illness and disease, and then to accident, suicide, and then another one that's an interesting category, mental illness leading to death, because these are kids that it could have been seen as a suicide, but they had this underlying mental illness. For instance, one who, I think he was schizophrenic, but I can't remember, and he thought mm-hmm. he could fly, and so he tried to fly off of a bridge and it didn't make it. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's really a mental illness. That's not really a choosing to suicide. Or another one who was schizophrenic, and he was doing fine for years on medication, and then he went to one doctor and said, oh, you don't need the medication, and he went off of it, and within a few months he chose to suicide. Well, I've had, I've had several experts tell me that basically all suicides stem from some kind of mental illness. you want to comment on that? Um, no. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Right. Well, you know, because... Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. And um, okay. for, there's a suicide in the book, and he was suffering from all this physical illness, and he was done with being in this body. I don't know that that's a mental illness. I mean, my son. We're not here to make a determination. It's just it was just an interesting topic, right? So we want to keep going with the with the categories of the right. And the other categories are drugs, murder. We have one woman in there with her story, and her name's Rukaya, and she's amazing because her son chose to live in a shady kind of neighborhood because he wanted to help lift it up. And he went out one night to pick up some dinner, and three kids ended up stabbing him to death. And they caught two of them, and Rukaya went to their trial. And she looked at them, and I think at that time they were like 12 and 14 or 14 and 16. She looked at them, and she said, they're just babes. They're just babies. We can't have another life totally destroyed. And she asked permission to embrace them and give them a hug. In the courtroom. In the courtroom, yeah, and there, there's a humankind video about her that has like 40 million views because it's so astonishing that anyone whose child was killed, you know, would be able to open up their heart and forgive them. Well, she didn't want to perpetuate that, that, that hate and that anger. That when I watched the video after reading the chapter in your book, so mm-hmm. uh, 
the, the thing is, as you were mentioning these types of passing, I'm thinking some of the listeners may be right now thinking, well, why do I want to read a book like that? It's about you know people that lost a baby, or somebody that was murdered, or somebody that took their own life. So why would they want to read it, Meryl? Okay, before we go there, I just want to say there's another category on Gold Star Parent, and who's in that category? <laughs> well, that would be my husband, Ty, and I. Yeah. Right, and then one other person, and then the woman I was telling you about who's, who ended up with three kids that transitioned. One was at birth, and one was leukemia when she was a kid, and another one was an adult, and he was suicidal. That's my dear friend, Marla Grant. Yeah, yeah, that's Marla. Affiliate, affiliate chapter of the Tampa. Of right. the Tampa, Tampa chapter of helping parents heal. Absolutely, yeah. right. And so uh, these stories, the focus is, yes, they mention what, it reminds me a little bit of a lead that I used to do in 12-step recovery, which is what I used to be like, what happened, and what I'm like now. And that's the way mm-hmm. the stories are sort of set up. This is what our life was like. This is what happened when my kid transitioned. And this is, these are the steps I took. This is what I did. This is how I now can say that I'm not only surviving, I'm thriving. And so it's, it's designed to give people hope and say, you know, it's like our, our taking their arms and embracing them through the pages and saying, we know this is hard. We know this is awful pain and there's hope. We want to help you and be with you and just hold the energy for you when you're going through it because you can get to the other side. And so there's a huge focus on getting to the other side of that grief. And there's also a section in the book on resources, you know, the books we recommend and the different techniques we used and the places and URLs and, you know, physical places we went to to give people some resources when this kind of thing happens. Very, very helpful. Yeah, I, I love that, looking through the back and saying, look at this. I know you reached out to me, as all of us who contributed to it. You know, what, what resources have you used or what techniques? And we all mm-hmm. got to contribute that. So it's very, very practical book. Plus, very it touches your heart because the stories are so personal and so emotional. Right, right. Yeah. How, how did you find these authors? Um, some people, I knew a few of them. And, for instance, Marla came to me because Mark Pitstick sends out a soul-proof newsletter and had her little bit of her story in there. And I said, oh, can I get a hold of her? And I did, and I asked her if she wanted to be part of the book. Suzanne, I don't remember how you and I connected, something with Helping Parents Heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just You just reached out, and you want to be part of the book? You betcha. Any, anytime we can share the messages that those who have passed are still right here, I'm all right. in. Uh, so yeah, I recognize and, Marla and, and Ernie, Ernie Jackson Ernie and Lori Savoy. And Lori Savoy from Helping sure, Parents. She was like, I know yeah, these people. <laughs> right. Because one person will say, oh, let me invite my friend. Let me invite a colleague, people they knew. And so I, I asked a lot of people, and some people said yes, and some people said not now. And it just happened. My, the editor, Mary Langford, brought in a, several people. Because she knew, you know, that her life had been affected because friends and colleagues had lost a child. You know, these words, our our language is hard, but we do say lost, even though we know they're not really lost. They're not in the dimension. I know. She came up with another word. Right. Right. Yeah, Mary Langford's a wonderful editor. This book is so beautifully edited, put together, the, the stories. I remember Mary coming back to me, and she apologized for this in the book, that she went back to every one of the parents and said, you know, we need more details. Get, let's get to the emotion here, and I know this is painful for you. So some of these things are hard to read, but it is that light at the end of the tunnel that makes them valuable to read. Right. 
and um, I think that the reader, whether, what, no matter what the loss is, it could be loss of a parent, loss of a sibling, loss of a pet, loss of a spouse, or even loss of a job, loss of a home, loss of a reputation. You know, these losses are, are still cause so much suffering and grieving that any kind of loss, somebody will feel uplifted when they read some of these stories. Yeah, there's yeah, no doubt about that. And I just want to stress again, though, it's very interesting that you used the Marla's story as one that the publisher of the book you were telling me on the break said that that one's like pretty woo-woo there. <laughs> Why is that? Because Marla talks to her kids? Because in Marla's story, um, let's see if I remember, Ryan and... I forgot the daughter's name. Nicole. Nicole. Yeah, Nicole. She was saying, Ryan, Nicole, I haven't heard from you for so long. And she was telling her friend, you know, I really have to keep asking. I need a sign from Ryan and Nicole. I haven't gotten one. And the next day, her friend sends her a picture. She looked at the street sign, and the name of the street was Ryan Nicole. <laughs> I love that. I remember when that happened, she posted the picture. And it's just fantastic. Now, if your publisher thought that was woo-woo, they just haven't met my peeps yet. <laughs> I mean, that's that's I mean, that's a fantastic sign, but that we expect those. We come right. to know that our our loved ones, our kids, are working hard to send us signs like that. So here's Marla with three children across the veil, and she specifically asked Ryan and Nicole for a sign. And look up now, you know, her friends into the picture of Ryan Nicole Street. I mean, come right. on, oh, that's oh, not oh, woo. That's I know, I know. I want to tell you one of my woo-woo. favorite stories that happened early on. And it was probably about two months, maybe six weeks, whatever, after he transitioned. And I was doing some errands. And I asked my my granddaughter if she wanted to go. And I think she was about six at the time. So she's in a booster seat directly, in the back seat, directly behind the driver's seat. And she's such a chatterbox that I could not have the radio on because she's talking. And I you can't talk with the radio on. So we're chattering. I go to the bank. I had to go to something, get something notarized. It took a while. So I said to the person, the notary I said, oh, do you have a piece of paper for my granddaughter? And so she's drawing. And I leave there, and I go, oh, I look down at the paper. I said, oh, this is such a pretty flower. What's, what's in the middle? And she says, that's Uncle Johnny's face. Okay, That's what she said. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, how interesting. Because, you know, kids sometimes are still connected. I don't know yeah. if, if she had felt that or not. But I get in the car. The radio was off. I turn the ignition key, the radio flips on, and I hear, I'll see your face in every flower. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I got goosebumps. Are you all listening to them, too? Yeah, me, too. Me, too. And and now, periodically, I'll say, hey, Johnny, I haven't heard from you for a while. And I turn on the oldie station, and, you know, maybe a song or two later, I'll get, I'll see your face in every flower. Yeah. So wow. that's the now, from him. now we need to educate our listeners because how that happens is that our loved ones know the song is coming up and they put into our awareness, turn on the radio now. You, we remain unaware of this. We're just acting on what we think are our thoughts. But it's our loved ones. And in your case, John knows it's coming up. It's like, hey, Mom, turn on the radio now. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> so cool. One big web. We are just so connected. One of my other, one of my other favorite stories. Well, two of them because he was so involved in electronics. Yeah. At at the memorial service, all these phones kept going off, and they knew that they were turned off. They just kept mm-hmm. ringing, 
And one, somebody, one of the young people that were there, she said, that was the worst funeral I've ever been to. Nobody turned off their phone, but we know they did. So that was his oh, thing. I'm here, I'm here. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and one day, I've, it's been moved, but in my bedroom, it's cathedral ceilings. And for some reason, the smoke detector was way up high. Middle of the night, my smoke detector's going off. And I look around, there's nothing. So I know there's no problem. But I can't find a broom to turn it off because I can't reach it. So I go, Johnny, just turn it off. You can turn it on again in the morning. It went off, and at 7 a.m. it started again. Oh, wow. He <laughs> is a good communicator. <laughs> yeah. And I love this, the, the model that you are setting for others listening to this show today, that you know we can play with this. We can ask them. We can have fun with this. You know. Right. That's what right. happens when I do readings and I hear little sounds coming across the computer. I'll say, that's your child. Now let's get him to say, I love you. And it goes. <laughs> so, yeah, it's two-way communication. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> and it so, doesn't mean that I don't miss having him here physically to hug. You know, so I have both. You, you don't just say, oh, he's so, he is so happy. He is so full of light. Oh, I said to him one day, um, Johnny, I really want to feel you. Can't I just have feel you hug? He said, and the voice, his voice said, Ma, I'm just light now. I went, huh. Mm. Wow. Mm. Yeah, that was sort of surprising. Yeah. Mm. Not surprising to me. We're, <laughs> we, are light, we are light now anyway, but we don't realize it until we get rid of these this heavy suits. But right. They serve a purpose, a big purpose. Right. Yeah. So how about the... Are there ways in which the you have 26 different people contributed to the book? Are there similarities in the stories? And then what are the differences? Well, um, they're, they're in different categories, so we know that those are all categorized. And some of them have, you know, this belief in an afterlife, like your story and my story and Marla's story and their other ones. But some of them don't. And, and whether or not the person has that belief, they didn't mention it. And, for instance, um, Tamara... When her daughter w- w- transitioned because of an auto accident and Tamara was driving, she, she had a lot of trouble, but she kept seeing these colors, purple and green. And I, didn't, I forgot that the book was purple and green too. But, and she saw this certain shape. And she ended up designing a program called Healing Hugs, and it's on Facebook with over 2 million people. Whew. And what she does is she, she has events like Zumbathon raises funds, and then she helps families with funeral expenses when they're in need. Wow. Yeah, what another is Healing w- Hugs? i got to get her on the show. Yeah, Healing Hugs. And another woman has Pay It Forward. So when her, I think it's every time her, birthday, her son's birthday comes around, she goes and she pays for birthday cakes at the local bakery for people who are going to pick it up. And oh, I know. And put a card in, Pay that. It Forward. Yeah. 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 So, there, you know, there's a whole bunch of people that – you know, just said, I'm going to honor my child by living a full life and being able to share the memories rather than caving in and, and being squashed by the grief and the pain. So they didn't have that belief in an afterlife. I personally don't know how I would have managed without being having still connecting with him, but right. I know there are people that can do it. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're in the book. And you, when people read the stories, they have no mention of still being connected. There's some that are sort of very Christian and says, you know, I'll be back, we'll be reunited, you know, in, when, when I die. And I know I'll see them then. And that's okay, as long as they, they have the 
belief that their life needs to go on and matter just because their child is no longer on the earth plane doesn't mean that our lives don't matter and that we can't make our kids proud of us and when we honor them in whatever way we honor them. Amen. Beautiful. <laughs> huh. Now the book has a foreword by Susan Whitmore. Tell us about Susan. Susan Whitmore, um, her, her daughter had a rare form of cancer, and she ended up, I don't remember what year, ended up transitioning, and she started a major group called Grief Haven. And I love the way her story starts. I have it here. She said, um, somebody said to her, you won't always feel the way you do now. I promise. One day you will know happiness again. She didn't believe that was going to ever be true. It's just how could that ever happen? And then she ends by saying, yeah, of course, you know, um, I, I, I made my life meaningful. I'm, I survived. I'm thriving. And all the people in this book are going to give you ideas on how to do it too. I love that. Because I know from the emails that I get every day that so many people that just stumble upon this show, which is no accident, they don't know how they're going to survive. And the mm-hmm. thought of thriving after a loved one passes, especially a child or right. a spouse, is is just impossible. Mm-hmm. And yet here I have goosebumps again. You have 26 stories, and that's just a drop in the bucket. But I've always felt if anybody can model something that I want to achieve, then then it's possible, and you're modeling that in the book. Right. It's so interesting that, you know, that there's 26 other stories in the book, and then there's 26 gifts when people purchase and go to, you know, you can go to lostsurvivethrive.com or you can go to that other one, tinyurl.com. Now, some people will be listening to this in the archives, so that's probably going to expire at some point, the gifts. Right. But for, you know, at least through November and probably oh, on probably on to the middle of December because it was supposed to be a five-day launch, but Amazon didn't get them in, and my friend just wrote and said hers isn't coming till December 1st, so it's going to be extended because of that. So, so it's ex- the people who wrote the chapters have contributed gifts? that Only some of them. I have gifts from okay. lots of other people. Some of them have to do with grief. Like Sandy Peckinpah gave us her ebook on how to survive the worst that can happen. And there's an article by Heidi Bright, Seven Ways to Cope with Loss. But some of them have nothing to do with grief. For hmm. instance, the five ancient secrets of thriving relationships, or live Kabbalah, the essence of prayer cost, uh, course. Or even there's one here, um, Get Over Sexual Abuse ebook by Star Fuentes. So there are all kinds of gifts, they're not just about grieving. And I thought that was a good way to get people to purchase the gift for somebody that they knew, know that would be in need of it, or mm-hmm. maybe in the future to have around. And then they can enjoy the gifts on, you know, a thriving relationship or prayer or whatever. And, Beautiful. you know, and, and also people who want those kind of gifts about helping with grief, they're there. And thank you for your gift, too, because no, you gave us a gift on honor. meditation. It's an honor to share it. And- yeah. Mastering and, uh, meditation. Your book, yep. Well, your your book is just going to help so many people. I love that we're right here at the beginning, the big exciting launch of it. It's a, just a beautiful hardcover book that will grace, <laughs> grace people's library, but really needs to be read and not just sit on the shelves once and, you pick it up. And, it's one of those and, you can pick up and put down because it has those individual stories. Right. And it's my big hope that the libraries will be getting them, all these individual libraries. So that's the one thing I'll say to the listeners whether you buy it or not, maybe you can just go into your local library and say, please order this book. 
because it's the kind of book that people can go into a library and, and check it out. And the Library Journal gave us such a great review that the libraries, I'm sure, will do it when we ask them to. Beautiful. The book is called Loss, Survive, Thrive, and that same title is its own webpage, so you can learn more about it. Also on Amazon.com, so LossSurviveThrive.com. So as we come down to the, the end of the hour here, Meryl, what, what is the one thing most likely to help anybody in their earliest stages of grief? Find people that will support you and not the ones that are going to tell you how to grieve and how not to grieve. Um, you know, so sometimes it's really educating. I'll, I'll give you an example. I just had a conversation with somebody about some treatment I was, I'm doing for a physical issue. And, and it wasn't helpful at all. And I said, this is what I need. I need you to say, I support the way you're doing it. I need, you know, mm. rather than do this, do that. That doesn't work. We need to find people in our lives and train them how to support us if they don't already knew, know how to do it. So if your best friend beautiful. says to you, your best friend says to you, get over it already. Say, that's not helpful. You know, maybe you need to take a look at what's going on in you that you, have, that you can't be supportive of me right now. But letting them know what works and what doesn't work. Because it's Perfect. really, that's really... That's what people need to know. Yeah. Well, listen, really we've, we've run out of people. time, Meryl. Oh, okay. And I could talk to you for another hour, but <laughs> instead of that, I just encourage everybody to go find Lost, Survive, Thrive, and we thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. And I'm giving everybody a big hug, and especially you, Suzanne. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.